Hey there, horror movie tea sippers. The following podcast episode will contain spoilers for the movie we are about to review. If you have not seen the movie and do not wish to have anything ruined prematurely, please do not continue to watch or listen until you have seen the movie. And welcome to the Horror Movie Tea Podcast. Today, for the first week of November, sad face, Halloween is over. I'm sorry, guys. It had to end sometime. Um, We are covering Insidious Chapter 2. But before we go into the review, let's grab our cups and talk about tea. So, today, I am drinking the Yamamoto. It's weird. It says Yamamoto Yama. So I don't know if it's supposed to be just Yamamoto or if it's actually Yamamoto Yama. But anyways, it's their uh, Sencha green tea, which for those who are not familiar, it's very similar to... It's kind of like matcha, which is like a a branch of green tea. But Sencha tends to have a grassier smell and taste. But it's been a few years since I've tried Sencha again, so I'm excited to see how it goes. What about you, Jess? I thought this was too freaking cute to pass up. Cute little kitty on the teacup. Couldn't, could not get it. So, I believe it's pronounced Q Mignon tea, I guess. But it's a caramel and apple tea. So, is that how you would pronounce it? I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know if you remember, this was before we were doing the in-person recordings. I had gotten a a kitty tea like that. So I went to the same store, Tesso Life, and got a few more of their flavors and just just couldn't resist. It's too cute. (laughs) I know it's so cute. And then the fact that you like open it up and it's just like, it's just oh, so freaking adorable. (laughs) Oh, no. Did I mess it up? I think I messed it up. Oh, no, I didn't. (laughs) Ha ha. Anyway, (laughs) so the summary, it's been a little bit since we've covered Insidious. Um, I don't remember what exactly we said. I remember we sang praises about that movie, but I don't remember exactly what I said about the summary. But so Insidious Chapter 2 is the sequel to Insidious. It is very much almost... Pretty much like Halloween 2, where it's like an almost an exact cutoff on where the previous movie ended. And it's about, if you recall, Elise ends up getting killed. And whenever the mom, Renee, looks into the camera, she sees the, the woman in, in black. And uh, that's how the, the movie just cuts off. So now... You know, she's seen this person. She's not sure what's happening, but she suspects that her husband is somehow involved, like whether her husband is possessed or or whatever. But it's like they're, they are now in um, her husband's mother's house and paranormal stuff is still going on. And you find out that, um, yes, Josh was possessed by the woman in black and he is trapped in, I think they call, is it the nether that they call it? The further. The further. It's the, the, the afterlife. And great beyond. Yes. And Josh is trying to contact his family to let them know so he can come back and protect them. Off to the entertainment, I think, because there's not too much else to add to this summary without going a little overboard. But 
So for entertainment, I would rate this an eight. And the reason being, I honestly can't remember what I rated the first Insidious, but I honestly like this movie better than the first one. Um, I think it's a collective of things. It's uh, They have more comedy relief in it. It's more interesting. The way that they tie everything together make, makes everything click from uh, the, the second movie, but also the first movie, which is really cool. Like, it, it was just a, a pretty well-thought-out movie. I mean, there's maybe some things here and there that you can think of as, like, plot holes, but there's there's not really anything that I can immediately pick out and be like, oh, that completely tears the whole thing apart, um, which is hard to do. There's so many movies that try and tie everything together, but you can easily poke holes through uh, the what's going on. Um, this one's a little bit more difficult. So, I mean, props to them. But I think it helps that it's the same director, James Swan, and the writer, Leigh Winnell. But they, this movie is great at building up tension. Like the, the hot and cold scene in the beginning. The scene with, like, a Lorraine walking around the house and a Parker Crane's mother. The baby scene where uh, Renee is walking around the house. With, once again, Parker Crane's mother. Like, this movie, it starts off as more story. And then as it goes on, it becomes just, like, slots of, like, tense scenes that build upon each other. Uh, and reveal more and more, which is uh, pretty cool. And um, the <laughs> probably my biggest complaint with the movie, though, is the fact that... They go super quiet and then they blow out your fucking ears. <laughs> it's just, oh, it, I, it's not appreciated. It's not. And I remember when me and Jess saw this in theaters and whenever they played the, the insidious and it's like, and just, I remember after it cut off, my ears were ringing. It's like, it doesn't make the movie scarier. It just ticks you off. Yeah. And leaves you in pain. It is not... I remember covering my ears in the theater. Yeah. It, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. That's not a good choice. Like, really don't... Not. Like, sound plays a huge role in horror movies, but it's using it at the right time. At and the right volume. <laughs> yes. It's like, I don't... I understand... And horror movies are notorious for this, going super soft and super loud. I feel like the Insidious movies go louder than most other horror movies for sure which is definitely not appreciated i understand having sound dynamic but there is a certain balance to it because it's like first of all you know someone has their tv at a particular volume Mm -hmm. and if on the super quiet scenes they can't hear anything you lose the scares like if there's like creepy whispering or something in the background that you're supposed to pick up on Unless if you see it in theaters, you're not going to be able to hear that. And you might be missing it every single time you watch the movie because you don't want your volume so loud that whenever the volume goes up, you're blowing out your speakers. Like there, there's a balance. There's a balance. So I feel like it's really easy to lose your audience by having those highs and lows. Like make it a little bit more towards the middle, by, but still balancing that dynamic. Yeah. Or for the people that are at home trying to watch it late at night with other people still in the house, 
you don't necessarily want to wake up the entire household yeah. when you're trying to just hear the, the softer parts and then suddenly there's a giant noise and the rest of the household is now awake and know that you're watching a scary movie. Yeah. So, thanks. Yep. But adding on to that, even though the, the tension building scenes are great, there's not really one I have a problem with, honestly, but they do use the jump scares a little bit too much. And it's one of those movies that's like, we're going to jump scare and do a loud noise, mm -hmm. which adding on to how loud it is, it just, it startles you. It's not actually scary. If you get startled, that doesn't engage true fear or mm -hmm. horror in a movie. It's just like, oh, someone's like, boo, and you jumped and then it's over. Yeah. There are certain instances, as we've said in several podcasts before, where a jump scare is necessary. Yes. And can relieve a lot of tension. But if it's not used well, then you lose a lot of the effect that you could have in the movie. And plus, if you use it too much, you're expecting the jump scare. Yes. And so it makes it less impactful. Like, yes. choose your jump scares very carefully. And I feel like the audience, I know at least we get bored with movies that only really have jump scares. Yep. Like, you need tension, you mm -hmm. need buildup, and then you need to play around with whether or not that tension is released. Yes. Because jump scares release the tension, but then if you just have it be, like, something totally different, like, I guess the one scene where they didn't really make it a jump scare is when Lorraine is around the house, she's being followed by the woman in black, and then whenever she opens the bathroom door, she thinks it's going to be her, but ends up being Josh. I didn't really feel like it was a jump scare scene. Uh, it was a good way to prevent the tension from being released. But it's like they only did that really once in the movie that mm -hmm. I can think of. Yeah. Too many jump scares. But I do like the, the transitions. It was... It, James Wan is a person that helped direct uh, the original Saw. So naturally, their transitions are going to be very similar to Saw. But the transitions are pretty cool and interesting. Um, I feel like they maybe use the same transitions a little bit too often. It'd be nice if they varied them a little bit. But the, I mean, the camera shots are very purposeful and tension building. And some really unique ones. Like there's this one where the the baby toy or the toddler toy is moving on its own into the hallway but you see the like half of the screen is the mom's face and so the the toy is kind of blurred it's like that was a really cool mm -hmm. shot um and it kind of gives you the sense of like paranoia and seeing that movement it even like builds on to that um so i think that the the camera angles really help with the mood um and set the atmosphere for the movie and also their their use of the color red. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of red in this movie. And I think it's supposed to symbolize like the the further or the afterlife. Um, the angry spirits around them. Yeah, because it's like in Elise's house, there is a lot of red. Even like before her, uh, like the, the posts right before her mm -hmm. house are red. And you just see red repeat over and over. Um, and it, even in some scenes where uh, the mother, like Lorraine or Renee, are having experiences, the stained glass that's red is beating on, uh, on them, which is adding mm -hmm. that uh, color palette 
which is pretty cool. Patrick Wilson, he did a great job. Like, he normally does the wholesome fella type of roles. And he definitely is like that as the father. But since he was supposed to be possessed by the serial killer, he really had to switch it up. And I feel mm-hmm. like he did a great job. It didn't oh, yeah. seem too forced. Like, it seemed fairly believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, Patrick Wilson, he's he's very talented. Yes. I wish he would do more varied roles like that, too, because he yeah, did a great job. He, he seems in most other movies to do the same kind of role where he's a very nice guy, someone very trustworthy. You really want to root for him and lean on him. And um, he does really great in those roles. So I understand why he keeps getting them. But it is nice to see him branch out and do something a little bit different. And he does do a really good job in this. Yeah. But I also do want to give props to the makeup team. Yes. For making him look like hell. Yeah. <laughs> when he's, And the deterioration in the scenes as the movie progresses, you can tell there's just more lines on his face as the story goes on. He just looks more pale. And there are certain areas like redness around the eyes with all the the wrinkles and lines and everything that are showing. It just looks really good. Yeah, I really he like that awful, they... But he does a, they do a really good job yeah. of making it look real. Yeah, I'm glad that they made it more subtle mm-hmm. rather than... Because some movies will like all of a sudden make yeah. them look like that. But yeah. no, it's very subtle and gradual, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And then my only biggest pet peeves with the movie was overall there weren't it it wasn't um there weren't any scares that I was like oh my god that's so stupid but one that really didn't hit the nail on the head and kind of made me giggle was when the end when they're in the further and they're in Parker Crane's bedroom I knew you were going to bring this up <laughs> his mother turns and screams and then, like, it invisibly pushes Elise and Carl out of the room. It, just, it looks so just silly. Use the force. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, you're screaming. It has the... Fo- it just... And then, also, it seemed a little bit inconsistent that they had two versions of Parker Crane. They had the child Parker Crane that was trapped in his mother's house, and then the Parker Crane that was possessing Josh. It just... It's like they never had doubles of anyone else previously and so it seemed a little bit disconnected is like well if he's possessing josh then who is this parker crane trapped in the the bedroom because it's not like it's repeating memories it's actually like spirits in the the other world so that that then i feel like that kind of broke the the lore of the movie a little bit but, I mean, those are nitpicky things, um, though I feel like they're important things to point out because it does kind of break the the immersion of the movie. But overall, I think it's a pretty decent movie. I've wa- it, I watched it over and over. I've actually watched it way more than the original Insidious. I just feel like it's a, a stronger movie. The way it connects is stronger. The way that they give you these little, like pieces here and there in the beginning that you think are scary but then they connect back to actually josh and they're not actual like scares but in the beginning you're like i don't know what's going on so it just makes it scary um so it's really cool how they connect that i feel like that really built upon both of the movies 
Yeah, so that's why I'd give it an eight. Like it's it's overall a fairly strong movie, but there's just like the jump scares and then the music and then that that one like stick out scene. I feel like maybe weren't very well thought through or could have been done better. But yeah. So this movie, I do like it a lot better than the other Insidious movies. This is actually my favorite in the franchise, for sure. Yeah. Um, I do love how it connects. It makes a lot more sense than the first one, and it makes the first one make more sense (laughs) watching it. So I do appreciate how thoroughly they thought out this movie and how they worked little bits from the first movie into it to build on it. But it's still not one that I would grab right off the bat. Um, I would actually give it a I would give it a 7.5. It's it's a good movie. It's a really good movie. And if someone were to say, I want to watch this, I definitely wouldn't argue with them. But it's also not one of the first ones that I would grab. And a lot of that is because of all the freaking jump scares and loud noises for no reason. I just... It's one of my biggest pet peeves <laughs> in horror movies, the, how they rely on jump scares so heavily. They don't need to. You really don't need to. It's not necessary. It's... It is nice to have in certain points throughout the movie, but if that's all that you use, it's cheap and forgettable. Yeah, and then it, because it releases your tension, it kind of makes you too relaxed in the movie, if that makes sense. Well, it stops having an effect after a certain point. If yeah. all they do is jump scares, and most of them, it's more a startle from a very loud noise out of nowhere, yeah. then at that point, it's not even, you don't even get startled after a while. You're expecting it around every corner. So when it happens, you're like, yeah, there's another one completely unfazed you're just sitting there waiting for it to be over yeah so i i don't really appreciate those now for the what you were saying about the doubles how they showed the guy parker as a kid and as an adult where he's taken over josh Mm -hmm. i took that more as him having a fractured psyche So that was his inner child, basically, is how I took it. He was locked away. He wasn't allowed to grow up the way he wanted to. He was sheltered and forced into this role. And as the adult version, he's constantly saying, yes, I know, mother, you need to leave. I don't want to do this. You need to go. And then after a while, she was right and him accepting. She was right. She's always right. I didn't want to kill you, but she was right. Yeah, I guess it's because it's like they very much established that the further is specifically for spirits Mm -hmm. rather than like your your psyche split. Mm -hmm. But so it's like, I still think it's inconsistent, but that does make sense that they're that were probably yeah. trying to go for that, but they probably could have done it in a way where it still made mm-hmm. sense with the further. And I saw it more as the the mother saw him as the child. Mm. So it was because that was like her area. Yeah. So that maybe she's like field, conjuring kind of. a memory yeah. of him or whatever. Yeah. 
So that's kind of how I viewed it. It's I still feel like it's a little bit inconsistent, like you were saying. It seems a little bit out of place, but it also helped further the plot and answered a few questions and all about why he was like this. So, because he was pretty messed up. <laughs> so, um, I get why they did it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but that's kind of how I interpreted it. What did you think of the mother? Because I was trying to... I kind of wish they had given a little bit more lore to her. But from what I gathered is her husband divorced her. And she is just like, fuck men. Men are shitheads. And so it kind of caused her to break so much that she didn't want her son to be a male anymore. So I more viewed it as she always wanted a daughter and when her husband left her or died or whatever, um, she lost the opportunity to have the daughter that she always wanted. So she forced her son, who mm. she had wanted a daughter instead, to become the daughter that she had always wanted. And when he wouldn't adhere to that that view to play into her delusion, she got very violent and very angry. Yeah, that makes sense. That's how I viewed it. Yeah. But, but we'll never know because they didn't go into more <laughs> yeah. with the mom and her lore. Yeah, well, I know. And then this is a... Well, talking about not going into the lore, can we just make a comment that they never, like, made a movie to explain what Elise saw at the very end of this movie? Yes. It's like, I would have really liked to know... They just kind of left it at a bit of a cliffhanger. I want to know how Elise was still contacting the two goons. Yeah, it's like... <sighs> they're funny guys. They, they they're weren't sweet, clairvoyant. They're, so... they're kind of goonish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they don't have the abilities that she had. So how the heck is she contacting them? And how are they able to interpret it in no uncertain terms? That it's definitely her. Because when they were using this other clairvoyant guy with the dice, they were easily manipulated by Parker's mother, the psycho mother. Which, if you notice, they thought was Elise. Whenever the mother answered them, it wasn't him saying, Elise, are you here? He just said, are you here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that's when she responded. I think that's why... There wasn't a response beforehand because the mother was there the whole time, mm-hmm. but she, she couldn't wasn't answer. Invited first, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like saying, "Are you here?" That's inviting any spirit. Yeah, but you think he would have known that? You would think, but they were very vague on those rules as well. But I've also never heard of dice being used in that way either. Oh yeah, I'm gonna get so. into that in the realism scale. So now, if they were like dice made of bone or something like that that would make more sense but it looks like just regular dice with lettering so i don't know it just it didn't feel that believable in the entertainment scale or anything or realism so that's my take on it but you know i do appreciate how the kids are super creepy i feel like a lot of times they were the creepiest part of the movie out of the mouths of babes. Seriously. Grandma, there's someone standing behind you. Shut up and go to sleep, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's enough, nope. good child. Nope, <laughs> nope, no talking. Not until, like, 
very bright morning, like light everywhere. Until then, no talkie. <laughs> Just nope with your your super creepy self. <laughs> so, but kids are usually the creepier part of scary movies, in my opinion. Yeah, for the most part, kids yeah. do odd things, and sometimes it's creepy. Yeah, very unsettling. <laughs> A little bit. So, but that's all I got for entertainment. Okay, well, I actually have a decent amount of stuff for realism for once, um, which is, I know you said that you're trying to decide what you want to do this for realism, kinda, so maybe yeah. I'll help feed your, your rating a bit. I still got to puzzle it out a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I would rate the realism a 4.5, and the reason being, well, I mean, there's multiple reasons, but going down the list... Okay, the dice. I looked it up to see if it's a thing. And no, there's not really any mention of dice being used to contact the dead. And I think it makes sense that there's not because whenever you're throwing the dice, there's always that small chance that it's going to spell a word without there being a spirit involved. Like, it's really easy to be fooled. So our brains are actually programmed to notice patterns. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like people reading fortunes out of fortune cookies and things, and they're like, oh my god, this thing happened. Well, yeah, it was already in your head. You were already looking for that particular thing. So, of course, you're going to see that. Yeah. It, it's patterns. It's all patterns. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be I'll be honest and straightforward. I'm not one that really believes in the paranormal and stuff like that. So it's like whenever I see a lot of the current day instruments, I can see a lot of different ways that people can be fooled into thinking that's a spirit. But it's like the dice, the dice, I think even people that believe in the paranormal would be like, eh there'd be a way to like trick someone into thinking that they're being contacted by a spirit because it's like there's they've actually shown that dice whenever you roll it it's not an even chance like Mm -hmm. just based off the grooves and surface area of the dice there's actually a higher percent chance that you'll get a certain number Mm -hmm. depending on the make of the dice and the paint and all of that um, so it's and like if you hands, or if you use a cup versus hands. Yeah. So it's like if you are this clairvoyant and you have dice, you could easily have it to where you have a higher percent chance to have certain letters. So anyway, I just feel like that falls through and it makes sense that we don't really use dice to attempt to contact those that have passed in real in the real world because it, it just it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so whenever the they go to the hospital some, our lady of the angels thank you and they show the flashback of the mother the mother distinctly says that she was a nurse but the way she was dressed was very much like a doctor but not just a doctor but one of like the head doctors the ones that maybe see a patient here or there but they're like top tier they're more dealing with hospital stuff than with actual like medical stuff because it's like because she's wearing a really nice dress and heels which i know heels in some periods of time was normal for nurses to wear because that was just expected of women but it's like even then they had uniforms and even nowadays we wear scrubs we wear scrubs i'm not a nurse (laughs) nurses and doctors wear scrubs and the reason being is because of body fluid Mm -hmm. it's like 
most of the time, I would imagine it's probably blood or vomit that you have to worry about. But there's other fluids and you want to be Tons. able to easily discard the the material and replace it. It's like if you're dealing with patients all day, you are not going to wear no. that nice of clothes because you're just throwing your money away yeah. at that point. So I thought that was not very believable whatsoever. The relationships and the dynamic. I know in the the Insidious review, I made a very long point on how well they did the relationships and how believable it was and how they built it up. Um, in this movie, it wasn't quite to that extent, but I think in a lot of ways it's because they already built up those relationships. But overall, the movie had pretty strong relationships and dynamics. Um, the only thing that kind of killed... That realism factor, though, was really Elise's assistants and <laughs> how comedic they were and how useless at times they were, especially like the tranquilizer scene. Like they were, it's like they didn't even try. Like, yeah. come on. Another nitpick is whenever they go into the room where Parker Crane put all of his victims, all of them are sitting up. And we did the very rough math. And it's like, we know that Parker Crane killed when he was an old man. But, you know, for him to be able to be in the hospital, for him to have the energy to kill so many women, it was 15. I would imagine it's reasonable to assume he could have been doing it five to 10 years beforehand. Um, and then with the age of his mother and then the age of Josh, I think it's reasonable to assume that these victims were killed about 30 to 40 years ago. So they have been in that room for 30 to 40 years. First of all... Conservatively. Yes, conservatively. First of all, decay is extremely smelly. Mm -hmm. And if there's that many bodies in a room, even if they're locked behind a wall... It would permeate to other areas of the house. So it's like they open up the room and they're immediately like, like it smells. But I feel like it would have maybe since it was 30, 40 years ago, it wouldn't be permeating that as badly. But it's like, especially when they're a fresher, like that would have stunk up the whole house mm -hmm. and maybe even into like the, the yard around it. So it's kind of surprising that the bodies were there for that long and no one like smelled it and had it checked out. But anyways, the so the victims would have been way more decayed for sure. Because it's like you just saw like hands that were like yellowed and like bits of flesh. It's like they would have been way more decayed. And also whenever you're decaying, there's gases going on. Your insides are liquefying. So there's not really going to be... A lot of stuff to help hold them up. So uh, I think Jess had made the comment during the movie that she thought that, you know, at the least their necks would be like lolling, you know, backwards mm -hmm. or forwards, which or makes even sense. to the side. But most likely it would be back or forward. Yeah. But it's like, I, I would even go so far to think that um, they wouldn't even be sitting up anymore. Like yeah. they would be mm -hmm. like, almost like dominoes like just on top of each other from like mm -hmm. all of because it's like or gas on the floor like yeah. if they had slumped forward 
Yeah, because it's like gas moves around and whenever it's expelled, I mean, it's not just gas. It's also like liquid and stuff that's... Death is not very... Yeah, yeah. It's really not a pretty process. But it also, it creates a lot of movement. Mm -hmm. Like I know uh, we we watch the Ask a Mortician channel (laughs) and there is once in a while... Love that channel. Shout out to that channel. (laughs) There is times once in a while where a body will just like jerk or move and it's a part of like the gases moving around and the the muscles like as muscles are decomposing and stuff like that it can could potentially cause them to like contract and release and stuff like that but it's mostly it's mostly the gases Mm -hmm. and the movement of the the liquefying organs but anyways enough about decomposition um (laughs) whenever they look at the newspapers there's no dates yeah there are no dates and the thing i got to thinking about this and it's like even when you look at older newspapers they always have a month day and year and the reason being i think is reporters realize that they are documenting history. Mm-hmm. And so it is extremely important to make sure that those dates are on every single article. Mm-hmm. So that way, whenever it's referenced back, they have a, a timeline. So it's not just that. There was a big point in time when people would cut out specific articles and make scrapbooks of them. So if they didn't have the date on every article then they'd have to write it in and it would just be a giant pain for everyone because you you need to know in that scrapbook about what time frame that was. Yeah. So they have it on every article, from what I recall, because if you wanted to cut out a specific section, you still had that information. You didn't have to cut it out separately from like the front of the newspaper or write it down separately. Yeah. So that... And it's why we also had to make up a general timeline on when the victims got murdered because they, they didn't, didn't give, give a date. They didn't give a d- date. I think that kind of takes us out of the lore and the realism of the, the movie. So that was disappointing mm-hmm. and something that maybe not a lot of people would have thought of. But haha, I thought of it. Anyway. We're nerds. <laughs> yeah. This is why we have a realism scale. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, and also it was so off-putting that the tranquilizer that they gave Carl was like this, as you put it, jello green. I'm like, it it totally looked like jello. Or like the green Didn't slime. It? Yeah. Yeah. Just crazy. But and, only at first. Yes. And then I was struggling on whether or not to put this in the entertainment scale or the realism scale. But it was kind of an immersion break for me because they were choosing, they were picking and choosing what the dead could and could not affect in the real world. For example, whenever Josh is uh, at his old house and he hears uh, or knows that the spirit or demon or whatever is coming after his baby, he bursts open the door. But then uh, later on, Elise, uh, within like a couple of minutes, Elise banishes the the demon or spirit, and the spirit breaks through the window. But then the the window in their house isn't broken, so it's like it's just so weird. It's like oh, he can open up a door, but breaking through a window, it doesn't. It's just kind of weird that they were like picking and choosing and i feel like there could have been other ways that they could have um, banished the demon without it breaking the immersion like he could have like fallen through the floor and disappeared or like just disappeared then or or something it's like he didn't have to like 
even if he had been like force pushed away, um, just make him like wispy, kind of smoky through the wall. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense too. So I just, mm, I am. Or she said go to hell, so he could have burned away. Yeah, yeah. So you had options. You didn't pick any, but you had options. <laughs> yeah, it's like there were, I don't have a beef with that scene in particular. It was just how it was done because it really did break. Like, it's like, well, if he could open the door, then why didn't the window break? So they could have just done that differently. But what what would you have you decided your realism? What did you give it? I gave it a four point five. Yeah. So after that, I'm going to give it a three. <laughs> See, I knew me it's, naming would help. I mean, it just it really bugs me, especially the decay scene. Like when they're sitting there, even if the room was completely airtight, which is a big maybe and probably no, because the place is really decrepit. Like, really decrepit. It's It should be condemned. It's falling <laughs> apart. Yeah. Then there's airflow in there at some point, even as minimal as it would be. So it definitely would have been further along in the decay timeline. They would not have been sitting up there like that. And the smell at that point, the decay had would have been so far along that it probably wouldn't have even really smelled any different. At that point. Yeah. So even with it being mostly closed up. Like maybe smell musty. Yeah. From like the it, remaining. It wouldn't smell great. Yeah. But it wouldn't be like super pungent. Oh my God, these things are rotting currently in front of us. Yeah. You could still see mostly skin and stuff and just slight rot here and there on the hands that are showing. So that didn't make much sense to us at all. Even if we're being really conservative, like really conservative, Josh looked about 10 years old in the flashback scene of him going to the hospital with his mother. And Parker was still alive, but in the hospital at that time. So if he was killing around that time and Josh had aged and it was about, let's say... 30 years from that time, exactly, <laughs> it was probably a bit more, but roughly 30 years, they would have been in there at the very least 30 years, even if he had killed someone and then been taken to the hospital, like immediately after. Yeah. So for them to be rotting for at the very least 30 years, it, it's done. At this point, it's mostly done. <laughs> you know, another thing I just thought of, too, is, I mean, it's 15 victims, so he obviously mm -hmm. couldn't kill them all at once, but they all appear to have the same rate of decay. Yeah. Yeah. It, he seems to be a very prolific serial killer, but we don't know how much time he had for his cooling off period. So he could have potentially been a spree killer. It, it's like a, a mass murder where they kill in quick succession but chances are he took some time in between because he seemed to have a whole ritual around killing those women like he would take them and he'd strap them down and then he would put on like this makeup and everything while he had music going he would put on a wig he'd put on the whole outfit and then he would take his time 
killing them. He had a whole layout of tools. Whole layout of tools. So that also doesn't lend us any credit as to why they were all sitting upright when he clearly had all these tools and used quite a few of them on them to presumably take them apart. So I also didn't really understand why a lot of the article said he's taken another victim, he's killed another woman and all, when all of the victims were in that room. Generally in that situation, it would be more of another woman was taken. Or another woman missing. or Another some, missing. Yeah. They normally don't say like victim killed unless, unless there's, there's a body. body. Yeah. <laughs> or evidence of foul play. And even then, they would say suspected foul play. And they don't know for sure that it's the woman in black or whatever, the bride in black. Because that would imply that they had some kind of eyewitness or evidence to said murder. So, multiple times at that. So, it just, it seemed a bit of a hole in the plot there. It didn't make quite as much sense to me. But I know a lot of that's probably me being nitpicky and being like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's so valid, though. I actually, I think I'm going to move down my, my realism <laughs> scale before Because that just does like make a big hole. Just talking about it, I was like, wait. But at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it just, it doesn't make that much sense to me. I also don't understand why. And maybe it's just my family and my parents especially, that were like, if a toy made a whole lot of noise, whether we were using it or not, they would get to that point. They'd reach that level of no more. And they'd be like, you know what? I think that toy's broken. Let me fix it. And they would remove the batteries. <laughs> and that would be fixing it. So this walker that keeps going off, why did no one try to remove the batteries? It kept going off like in the middle of the night or when the baby was down for a nap. Yeah, like three like, times at least. Yes. <laughs> so I'm sorry. After like the second time, I could understand the first time, like she hit it, she bumped it. Yeah. Okay, fine. Fine, whatever. But after like the second time, no, 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 no. <laughs> I just put this baby down. She's finally asleep. It took forever to get her to sleep. You are not waking her up again. <laughs> I am not doing this for another three hours. Not again. <laughs> so those batteries would be out and gone. <laughs> if not by her, by the mother at least. Who, let's be honest, she's she's been babysitting the kids for years, I'm sure. She raised her own son. So I'm feeling like after one time of it going off around her, she's like, no. <laughs> yeah. But I do have to just make a random comment. They had a really nice house. They did. I really liked they that did. house. It was nice. And she kept it in good order for sure. Hated the wallpaper. But I'm also not a fan of wallpaper. So take that as you will. They did not have any kind of consistency with the tranquilizer. As I alluded to before, it was jello green when the dude handed it to a, the clairvoyant in the van outside the house. Jello green. Like, can't miss it. And then when he pulls it out in the house, it's like clear. And then they show it again when he's like about to jab him, and it's clear. <laughs> Pick one. Just one. If you're gonna have it jello green, 
It's probably not very accurate, but fine, whatever. At least stick to the jello green color. <laughs> That's all I ask. Just keep the same color throughout. <laughs> The green probably would have made it easier for us to follow what was going on anyway in that fight. That's to fair. Be honest. That's fair. So I do think it was kind of cool how well the clairvoyant fought. I was not really expecting that from him. Good he job, was like man. he fought so much better than yeah. the the younger guys. Yeah. Yeah, I was, and I know they were kind of nerdy, but at the same time, the dude's like what in his seventies, so. Yeah, yeah. He's been keeping up with his exercise regimen. Exercise is so important, guys. It is. It really is. So <laughs> not that I do it very much. Yeah, got try. I also didn't understand how they kind of, in a way, got into this mess because they made Josh forget his ability, what he could do with it, what happened, and all. They didn't use it as a learning experience. They're just like. So we're going to make you forget everything. So you don't use this power again. But then his son starts having the same issue. And they end up going through this whole thing. And he gets in trouble again while trying to save his son. And they both finally are brought back to themselves. And they decide that it's a good idea to make them both forget. I feel like you already tried this. And it it turned into a bigger shit show than <laughs> it should have been. Instead of, you know, learning to control it and kind of block it yourself, learn how to block it, only use it in certain situations, at least know the signs of how to tell you're using it or about to use it and come away from that or something of the like. But no, we're going to make you forget so that later on down the road when uh, Dalton has a kid and they start having issues where they're like, today I went to sleep and I flew away from my body and had an adventure and now something's following me. <laughs> they don't remember anything that happened and now have to go through the same damn process. Yeah. Potentially with even worse results. So I feel like this was a very bad band-aid move. It's like, maybe they just don't have the ability, but it's like, if they just have them be able to control yeah. whether or not they can do that. Yeah, learn the signs of what's going on, learn when you're about to use it or when you're currently using it, and how to get back safely mm -hmm. and to stop it. And then be able to pass that knowledge on. <laughs> but that's just me and my logical side. So, not my problem. <laughs> we'll probably see a sequel for this exact thing in a few years, I'm sure. Eventually. Might be like 10 years down the road. Enough time for, you know, Dalton to grow up a little bit. Maybe. But watch, we're probably going to get that exact sequel. <laughs> Maybe. But that's all I got. <laughs> well, just a little commentary before we wrap up. I did try the Sencha green tea. And I will say, if you typically don't like Sencha, try this one. Because it doesn't taste nearly as grassy as some of the loose leaf I have tried. So, And it probably doesn't taste as grassy because it's 
it's obviously like the the normal lower quality tea leaves. It's not like the high quality tea bags where you can see the loose leaf. Like it, it looks like it's the dregs or the little like crushed up pieces. But um, but yeah, if you have never tried sencha and you're kind of nervous about it, or you've tried sencha and don't like the grassy like taste or smell, try this one and you might you might like it a little bit better. So if you if you do try this, because I know you said you haven't had it before, ended up trying it before her guys. <laughs> if you don't like it, I will take the rest. Oh, it's good. It's good. It tastes like fall, but not like Halloween fall. I needed a fall drink. It tastes like fall. You can definitely taste the apple. Like, it's clear apple taste. But every now and then, you get just that little bit of sweetness from, like, the caramel flavoring. It's not, like, punch you in the face caramel, and I really appreciate that. It's just a very light, subtle, more back note. Oh, that makes me excited. It's a fall drink, for sure. Yay, I'm excited to try it. (laughs) I haven't asked this question yet, I don't think, but I would love to hear from our tea sippers what tea you were drinking while you were listening to the episode. Or or if you weren't drinking tea, if you have a go-to tea, just let us know and we would love to hear your comments but i always uh, want to try new ones too yes. we're always on the lookout for new tea yes like movie suggestions and tea suggestions are always much appreciated but thank you guys for joining us today and please comment on what you thought of the movie and if you'd like to recommend a movie or keep up with our content you can find us on twitter instagram facebook and most places that you can listen to podcasts and if you'd like to support our podcast, please subscribe, like, and share our content. We also have a Teespring if you'd like to support us monetarily. And you can find the sites mentioned linked below. But until the next time, guys, stay safe and stay spoopy. Bye! Bye.